0: Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On
1: Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Herb. Hello and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence, ecknerwall 23 on Twitter. If you want to follow me on Twitter, Chris Tannehill is at Chris Tannehill. And our show is at Locked On Sox on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Go there and subscribe right now. So you can win a prize pack if we're going to be selecting one at random. Our next hundred subscribers. 312-566-8727 is the way you can reach us via voicemail. 312-566-8727. That is Harold Baines, AJ Brzezinski, Mark Burley, Jorge Orta, Bo Jackson, Carlton Fisk, and Tim Anderson. Lockdownsocks at gmail.com is the way you can send us a voice, uh, email actually. socks at gmail.com Usually I say with no further ado here's Chris Tannehill but we're going to have some further ado because Chris Tannehill is on assignment tonight so I gave him the night on. He's all good. He'll be back when we resume later on tonight to wrap up this Cleveland Indians series but speaking of this game hmm, friends the White Sox go down to the Cleveland Indians by the score of 6-5 to five and a little breakdown. I don't think You know, some games you come away frustrated because there's so many missed opportunities to win the game. This game, I don't know if necessarily there's missed opportunities. I just think Cleveland was lucky with their hits. They babbipped a couple uh, hits to death for the White Sox, especially in that first inning. And the White Sox didn't put together premium at-bats. They weren't. Awesome, but they did scratch out ten hits today, and with runners in scoring position, they're three for ten. So that's something I could accept there, but sometimes the team's gonna beat you, especially with Shane Bieber on the bump. I don't think any of us thought that Shane Bieber would get beat or he would look as bad as he did today, and his looking bad is giving up three runs, two of them being earned. I would say the third one should be earned, but you know I understand why they gave the air on that play, but. You know, getting three runs off of Shane Bieber, you should feel really good about yourself, especially when that comes in the first two innings of the game. So let me just recap it first and give you the whole breakdown. If you did not watch the game, I would say that in the first inning, you had good Dylan Cease versus Jose Ramirez. Like he was the guy that we've seen most of the year. There was a stolen base by Ahmad Rosario from first to second base. So, my theory, you guys have been listening to this show. If you have been listening to this podcast, you understand. He's the only guy that I think in this lineup you do not pitch to. You do not give premium pitches to Jose Ramirez. You try to nibble on the corners, throw something in the dirt, see if he can chase. And if you walk him, you walk him, especially with the base open. Right there, I was thinking, okay, don't throw him anything good. See if you can get him to chase something. And if you walk him, you walk him. The base is already open. You're fine, and that's what happened. It was a one and two count, I believe, and when Ahmad Rosario stole second base, it was one and two. Then Dylan Cease sends a fastball outside corner. It wasn't close to the to the strike zone, but it's you know something that maybe with two strikes you can get him to bite on. Then he throws a dirted curveball, which you know it was close enough where he thought he could possibly get him out it didn't happen and then on three two he throws a 94 mile power fastball up and in in his kitchen and jose ramirez has to swing at it it was i think a little bit out of the strike zone but too close to take and what jose ramirez does is ground that ball with a little english to Yoan mancada who throws him out at first by a half a step that's the premium pitching that we need from dylan cease it was an awesome job right there to get a great hitter out right there. It's two two outs in the inning right there. It's a nice, nice job. And now he's facing Eddie Rosario. <sighs> this is the part that you can kind of be frustrated with. But I don't think it's anybody's fault. He gets Eddie Rosario on a curveball. Unfortunately for everybody, the curveball hits the plate. I think either the corner or just right in the middle. And it bounces off Zach Collins' left arm. And it goes... A stray to the Cleveland Indians dugout and bounces off of that. So Rosario reaches first on a pass, a wild pitch on a third strike. So you could have ended the inning there with that filthy curveball that Dylan sees through. But you got runners on first and second, or first and third now with two outs facing Josh Naylor, who hits a squibber. Squibber 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 up to Tim Anderson that's going real slow Tim has time a little bit and he throws the ball And Josh Naylor's a left-handed runner And he pretty much beats it because he has a good jump out of the box There's nothing you can do there There's no fault or blame there Dylan tried to get the ball but it was a little too far to his right There's a run scores right there The next hitter, Harold Ramirez, who had an awesome game Makes a great catch later in the game versus Jermaine Mercedes that almost broke his 1-for-19 oh, for streak there. But Harold Miros hits a ball right up the middle, chopper. Dylan gets a teeny-tiny t- glove on it. That, I think, is the impetus to slow the ball down enough so when Tim picks it up, Harold Miros is already crossing the plate when he throws the ball, to or crossing first base when he's throwing the ball to Jose Abreu there so that's the second run of the game And you're like oh god we should be out of this inning These two runs are garbage hits and they scored on us Man just very unlucky right there Dylan was kind of cruising and they took down his biggest hitter So it's kind of deflating that some Punch and Judy hitters get these crappy hits And they score runs there And then Jake Bowers comes up the next hitter And I for sure thought that was going to be a a knock He hits a ball over the shortstop's head It's falling fast And you have left fielder fielder Andrew Vaughn out there And I'm like, ah, come on, let's go, let's go And Andrew Vaughn dies face first And makes an outstanding catch This year, Andrew Vaughn's been a revelation at left field For a guy that wasn't going to play first base Was going to be your designated hitter And was thrust into left field for the first time. Never played it. I don't think in college he mostly played first base or third base. He's looking great. He's an athlete. He looks awesome in left field. Made a game-saving catch right there. That probably would have scored a couple runs right there if he gets past uh, Andrew Vaughn. If it goes in front of him, 100% scores one run right there. And he gets his pitcher out of there with a great catch and for all the stuff that people built up Andrew Vaughn to be a great hitter and a guy that's going to be mostly be a first baseman or a DH in his career. Nothing can be further from the truth on the first base DH thing. This guy is a great athlete, and he's adjusted to left field probably better than anybody would have imagined. He deserves major kudos, Salute, for turning himself into, I said it jokingly, but... I would not be surprised if he's a finalist for the Gold Glove in left field. He makes catches that you wouldn't think he would make as a anybody who's playing left field, let alone a guy that's playing there for the first time in his probably his life. And, you know, I think he gets punished for being a slow-footed white guy, and you get the label of non-athletic. Uh, you get the lunch pail and uh, the hard worker label instead of he's an athlete. 100%. Andrew Vaughn is an athlete that does really well out in left field, and he needs his kudos to be given to him. So you get out of that first inning, and it feels kind of bad because you gave up two runs to, the, to those two garbage hits, but it feels good at the end because Andrew Vaughn has saved you from giving up more damage there. And then I think I thought what was going to be the turning point was that top of the second inning where you get a hit from Jake Lamb. And then followed up immediately by Zach Collins getting you a hit. So, you got first and second. You got one out. Billy Hamilton coming to play. So, not great hitters. Guys that you haven't weren't going to count on the beginning of the season coming up. And then Billy Hamilton turns around a Shane Bieber inside fastball to right center field. And immediately when he hits it, I'm like, all right, here we go. Triple. It's going to get a triple. Guaranteed. And so... Two runs scores, a bang bang play to, at, at the plate for Zach Collins. He scores, the ball gets away, and Billy Hamilton is smart and fast. He sees that ball get away to the right hander, uh, to the White Sox dugout almost, and the catcher, Austin Hedgett, has to go and get it and recover it and throw it to his pitcher, Shane Bieber, who was backing up. Billy Hamilton knows that that situation sequence right there is not enough time for him not to get to home plate, so he races home, does a Brilliant slide around Shane Bieber's tag and scores a little league home run. Officially, he only got a credit for a double there and two runs driven in. But come on, official scoring in Cleveland, you know that Billy Hamilton, when he hit that damn ball, was gonna get a triple, a hundred percent. I know he kind of hesitated around second base, but he was doing that more to look at the play at, at the plate to make sure that guy was safe. That's a triple at minimum, if not an inside-the-park home run, because, I mean, yeah, it's an error because the ball got away, but come on, it's Billy Hamilton. He caused these things to happen. He caused the the, the, the errors to happen because of his speed there, and he forced the action for his home his run to be scored at home right there. So it's 3-2. to two. If you're Dylan C you have to be feeling good. You gave a couple weak hits for runs. Now your team comes right back against the Cy Young Award-winning pitcher, the reigning Cy Young Award-winning pitcher, and shows you that they're not here to just lay down. You think two runs usually should be enough for Shane Bieber, but no, the White Sox take the lead 3-2 right there at the top of the second. And then we have a good bottom of the second. It's good to see Dylan Cease to take that and said, all right, I'm going to shut you guys down in this bottom of the second. And then it wasn't as good in the third and fourth inning I think the problem was Dylan had a little flashback To old school times Where he let that first inning Linger into the third and fourth inning He's leaving balls Up in the zone Mostly he was leaving off speed pitches Either his changeup Or his curve ball elevated And in the fourth inning you saw Weak hitting catcher Backup catcher Austin Hedges Hit a rocket home run over the left center field fence because he left like an 84-mile-per-hour curveball or changeup, elevating the zone, and no Major League Baseball player is going to miss that pitch, and he crushed it. He absolutely decimated that pitch, and that, to me, was the beginning of the end for Dylan Cease, and technically was the end of the game for Cease. Three and a third, eight hits, six earned runs on the game, and only two strikeouts to one walk. Not a Dylan C start. So, with these type of starts and the start he had in the first inning, I chalk that up to just him being Babbitt to death and then allowing that first inning to control the rest of his game. That's not the Dylan C we've seen for the majority of the 2021 season. So, I'm going to chalk this up to uh, the exception, not the rule. Hopefully, next time he sees... Cleveland Indians, I think their next series is in January, no, July, and then they finish off the season in September versus the Cleveland Indians. He has a point to prove to those guys and say, hey, you guys got me for this. I got the loss. Enjoy yourself. Hope you savor the flavor. But when, you see, when I see you in July, that ass is mine. I'm coming for you. And have that mentality to say, that will never happen again. You babbit me to death, and then I let that happen. I let that affect me for the rest of the game. Enjoy it, because that, that won't happen. We're running things in here in the a- AL Central, and I'm going to be part of that. So, get mad, Dylan Cease. Get pissed. They think they can do anything against you right now, and I would take that personally if I was Dylan Cease. Just like before, I think after the D- the Dane Dunning start, he took everything personally and has been a fabulous pitcher this year. So, I'm going to chalk this up as the exception, not be too hard on Dylan Cease and his effort today. It was it was not great, but I don't think that that is the representation we're going to get from him all season long. When we come back, I'll talk about the end of the game and what happened there. Thank you for joining us. We'll be right back on Lockdown Socks.
2: This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you in part by Fully Loaded Chew. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that give you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz you're used to without tobacco. Available in nine flavors, Fully Loaded Chew is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine available. But don't just take my word for it. Listen to Brad Fuller from the National Pro Fishing League tell you more.
0: I've been a dipper of chewing tobacco for over 20 years. I have quit started and quit and started. And now I found a product where I don't have to quit. Let me introduce you to Fully Loaded. This product is food grade quality, but it's not tobacco. That means the nicotine that's in this is not from tobacco. It's actually called TFN, it's Tobacco Free Nicotine. So you still get nicotine, but it's not from tobacco. Guys, I've tried a lot of these brands and things like this before. This is as close and as real to real tobacco as you're gonna get. You get all the benefits of it, And what I like about it, they have great flavors, they have pouches, they have straight, they have long cut, and it actually dips like real dip. It comes in fully loaded, Half loaded, and then the nicotine free, so you, you can walk yourself back and walk away from the nicotine. I love it; you're going to love it.
2: And now, fully loaded chew is offering a locked on team listeners a special offer right now. You can try it just for one dollar. That's right, folks, just one buck. Go to www.fullyloadedchew.com and use our promo code locked on. That's right, just one dollar and free shipping if you use the code locked on at checkout. The next time you go for a dip, make it fully loaded chew at fullyloadedchew.com.
1: Join walking baseball encyclopedia Paul Francis Sullivan. But please call him Sully every day on Locked On MLB for a unique look at the majors, both past and present. Featuring exciting guest interviews, routine check ins from Locked MLB Network's team of local experts and insightful analysts of the day's biggest stories. Locked On MLB is the single best source for daily baseball talk. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcast. All right, we're back on Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. And as I said before, Tenney is on assignment. He'll be back later on today. I want to talk about that late inning comeback by the White Sox. It's just great to see, especially since Jake Lamb is the one who was the catalyst for that one. Started us off in the ninth inning with an awesome, awesome hit off of Karen check. And when you go into the ninth inning versus Cleveland and it's either Karen check or class a for me, I don't know about you guys. I think look, that's game over guys. It's, it's been real three runs versus this bullpen. No, we're good. Uh, we'll just take this into the next game. So, to see these guys actually do things versus this uh, close or this closer slash uh, setup man and James Karinchek was really good to see. So Lamb starts off the game or starts off the ninth with a single to right center. It was rocketed. Then he goes to second on a wild pitch from Karinchek as he's he's to do always, and then comes up Zach Collins, who singles the left center, and then Lamb scores. So you're only down two runs. You have Adam Eaton hitting for Hamilton, which, you know, I'm not too big of a fan of, but if, if you say you, which hitter would you want up to bat in that regard, like at the beginning of the year, I would 100% had Adam Eaton, but as as of late, Hamilton's been a better hitter than Adam Eaton, and that might be because Adam Eaton's hurt. So he goes down, he strikes out. Then you have Timmy getting a hit, and Collins goes to second. So you bring up the leading run, and Nick Magical. Timmy's the tying run. Magical does what Magical does, puts bat on the ball right up the bo- right up the box, and I thought a gutsy. And maybe dumb move, but he made it, was Tim going from first to third. I was like, eh, the play is right there. Like, the center fielder almost had the ball right when Timmy's hitting the second base bag. And the play wasn't like bang-bang, but it was too close for my comfort. But Tim knows the speed. He kind of did the Okie doke around second, then put on the gas going around second to third and made it over there. Then you get Mancado walking. And so you got... The premium situation that you want, you're down a run. You have your best player usually up to bat, especially in an RBI situation. Jose Abreu and check can't find the plate. Curveballs go awry first two pitches, and you got a 2-0 premium count. And Hose on a four on a four-seam fastball that was on the outside corner gets over on it and he rolls it to shortstop and gets out. So, hmm, it was it was exciting and you're kind of thinking to yourself, "Okay, the Sox are not quitting and Ricky's boys don't quit, even though it's not Ricky boys anymore." And I see a lot of people on Twitter bemoaning hoes right there. I mean, for all the stuff that he's t- done in his career, you can give him a break on a ball that he doesn't come through on, on a pitch he doesn't come through on. Seriously, come on now. As a guy that has doubted Jose Abreu in his career, even I'm like, you need to calm down if you're throwing Jose Abreu under the bus and saying he should have came through there. Sometimes you're not going to come through. He's not he's not Jesus, guys. Calm down. And so the White Sox go down right there, 6-5. to five, But I think what I take away bigger from this is we're talking about that play that uh, Yoah not Yoan Jeremy Mercedes he hit a ball deep off of Shane Bieber popped it in the air really deep so you're thinking either a home run or a double off of the big huge wall on left center and Harold Maris makes that great catch and we have an 0 for 4 day again from Yermi Mercedes I think he's mired in an over 19 slump right now and think about That game where he had the home run, that's, I think, the last time he really had a hit in a game. And then before that, he was slumping after the Minnesota series in the 3-0 count there in Minnesota. So the league has adjusted to Jeremy Mercedes. And I think some of the Tony effect after the Minnesota series made him not great there. Swings at the 3-0 pitch in the series subsequent or a couple series after that, and hits that rocket line drive home run. So you're like, all right, he's back. But no, he's been um, struggling 0 for 19, and that's really not good. He's coming back down to earth as we would would think. As a rookie, he's not going to be hitting 400. He's not going to be hitting 356 and leading the league in hitting. So this is the adjustment that he needs to make back to the league to get back into where he should be. I said – in my mind, he's probably a 285 hitter with a 350, 360 on base guy. So he's right now at 304, 359, 470 as his uh, splash lines. slash lines, and I don't know if this is the guy we're gonna get. Like if the, if he finishes in this area, you gotta take it. This is an awesome year right now. If you stop the year right now and say You're Me Mercedes is that guy. I think everybody would take that. But Tanny and I have been talking about these good problems to have, like when you have Aloy coming back and the good left field play you're getting from Andrew Vaughn. What do you do? Where are you going to put Aloy with Andrew Vaughn playing great left? You're mean if he's playing a great DH. Aloy, of course, is going to play, but where do you put him? Do you put him in designated hitter or you put him in left field? Right now, with the struggles of Yermi Mercedes and the great play you're getting from Vaughn, I'm probably doing a platoon in right field because you're going to have, at that time, Adam Engle back. Soon he'll be back before Aloy comes back. So a platoon between Adam Engle and Adam Eaton in right field. And then you're going to get a designated hitter for Aloy because he's coming back from an injury secondly he is a designated hitter so you need to start putting him there and getting that into his mind that this is your job you're going to be hitting balls not fielding him ever again and we got a guy out there that's making plays out there not getting hurt and helping the team so we're going to keep Andrew Vaughn out there as he's a rookie and he looks to be our future once he starts with the bat a little bit more and you're mean coming back down to earth to be a guy that's A good guy off the bench who was the guy that we thought would be uh, at the start of the year. If we had Aloy Jimenez, we probably wouldn't have seen all this Jermaine Mercedes. And maybe it's better for him to be a utility player or a part-time player in the major leagues because it seems like they've adjusted back to him and he's swinging at pitches that he didn't swing at. Earlier, and if he did swing at him, he was at least following him off or getting hits to right field. Right now, he is looking not comfortable at the plate, and this happens to major league baseball players. So, this is way down the road. And if Aloy comes back in September or August, even better. But that's would be my plan, or at very like this the not optimal thing if you have your mean hitting the ball a lot from here on out and Aloy comes back, and you really want to have him and Andrew Vaughn and Aloy all in the lineup, I would have Aloy in left, switch Andrew Vaughn from left to right, and then keep at Yermin at the designated hitter spots. That would be last resort, maybe do it once a week type of thing because the last thing I want is Aloy in the outfield again because that's where he gets hurt when he's in the outfield. So... That's pretty much all I have for this show. Let me come back after a short break and tell you what we have coming up on our next show and preview today's Ball game.
2: This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our new friends at Sports Trade. Have you guys heard about Sports Trade? No, it's where fantasy sports meets the stock market. This is amazing. Sports Trade takes fantasy to the next level. It's like Robin Hood for fantasy sports. Their platform allows you to buy and sell shares in your favorite players just like real stocks. Finally, it's a fair and exciting way to cash in on your knowledge of sports. And they just added baseball to the platform. So check out Sports Trade today. Making money with Sports Trade is simple as player values rise and fall based on two factors. One, their statistical performance in each game as compared to their projected fantasy points of the game. The more points scored, the higher their value goes. Two, Good old supply and demand, baby. The more demand a player has, the higher their value goes. Starting to see how this works here a little bit? When you're ready to buy shares, you pick the penny stock in a rookie with huge upside or grab that blue chip vet who's always a solid performer. Instantly buy and sell as many shares in as many players as you'd like, just like the stock market, then watch your players battle and your portfolio value rise. Simply go to Sportstrade.com and watch the How It Works video and then sign up to get started. Sign up today at Sportstrade.com and discover the fun and exciting and profitable new world of sports trading. Sports Trade, this is truly the evolution of fantasy sports. You'll be amazed. Don't sit on the sidelines any longer. Get in the game at sportstrade.com. Locked on White Sox is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. There's so many things you could bet on each and every day at betonline.ag. It's got all the latest news, odds, and info on all your sporting needs, including baseball, basketball, hockey, and even your UFC MMA action. Got a huge series with the Cardinals this week. Before the next pitch, head over to bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the latest news and odds, and you can sign up for bonuses and contest information. If you're someone who likes to play the Dow, you can bet on what the final digit of the Dow is going to be each and every day. Okay? When I tell you they have everything, they have everything. I'm also looking at the hot dog eating contest this year. Joey Chestnut. Right now the over-under set at 74.5 hot dogs for Joey Chestnut. For Wednesday, June thirtieth, twenty twenty one, the hot dog eating contest for this year. You want to bet on the New York lottery? You can do that. You can bet on whether or not the number is going to be odd or even. I'm telling you, they've got all your betting needs covered here at Bet Online. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance. To get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the postseason, head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts, and don't forget our promo code LOCKED ON at Bet Online. That's promo code LOCKED ON for your 50% welcome bonus.
1: Thank you for joining us on this episode of Lockdown Socks. Going solo again, it's late right now, it's uh, after midnight. Um, going solo is kind of weird. I think i need chris Tannehill. it's uh just me talking and that's not good i hope you guys enjoyed this i hope i've in, had some insight that you can take and then use it in your life or if i've uh, just uh, had something that you agree with i hope you're just nodding your head oh yeah that's good or if I, you've had something i've this you've disagreed with me on send it locked socks at gmail.com or 312-566-8727 but don't worry it's going to be me me and Chris later on tonight with a wrap up of the Cleveland series and your full, your full comprehensive thoughts about where we go from here. If they win today, three and a half games, so Cleveland and not game, any ground If they lose today. Ooh, friends, Cleveland's only a game and a half out. And it's a tough schedule coming up for the White Sox. So, A win today will be crucial. We got, let's see who we got going to the bump. Sorry guys, I'm just throwing us my computer. So I'm going a little uh, off the top of the dome right here. I'm like m m freestyling right here. So the pitching matchups for today are going to be Lance Lynn coming off, I think three or four days rest and something called Morgan for the Cleveland Indians. So we know we're going to get a premium effort from Lance Lynn. We know He's going to go out there and shove and do the best that he can. And the Cleveland Indians are throwing out a right-hander named Eli Morgan versus the White Sox. A right-handed pitcher. I think he's had one start on the year. And he's going to be making a spot start for the Cleveland Indians tomorrow or later on today. He's pitched two and a third innings, eight hits, giving up six earned runs. So, yeah, let's eat. Versus guy, let's let's crush this guy. Go out of Cleveland with a split, and they're at the same spot that they start at. They gain no ground, and go back home and face the Detroit Tigers for four. So, this has been Herb Lawrence. You can follow me at Actnowall23 on Twitter. Chris Tannehill, my partner, at Chris Tannehill, and our show is at Locked On Sox. is the way you can leave a voice message. socks at gmail.com is the way you can leave us an email. And if you haven't seen it yet, I was on Flipping Bats podcast with Ben Verlander, you know, Justin Verlander's brother. Great host. He reached out to me asking me about the Cubs and seeing how they're doing this year. And don't turn off the TV yet. Don't turn off the radio yet, guys. I was on both their podcast and his uh, video feed, so you want to see what I look like, how beautiful I am. I was doing this interview from the Sky Harbor Airport in Phoenix, so I was kind of like at last second type of, you know, scrambling. I had a... I had a Merrill Beach uh, Pelicans hat, so I wasn't representing the White Sox, and I had my NWO shirt. I was just traveling back to Chicago. So that's I looked a little ragged, but still look like myself, and I think I did a fine job talking about the Cubby and how they're surprising this year. Next time he gets me on it, he said he'll be talking to me exclusively about the White Sox. So Flipping Bats podcast, Ben Verlander. He also interviewed Houston Texans' uh, Kyle Tucker, so Check it out wherever you get your podcast. Check that out. Of course, you've already checked this out, and we appreciate you listening to Locked on Socks.